Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Hi, I'm Dane Swan, and you're listening to 365 Days of Sport. 365 Days of Sport. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage legendary Grammy Award winner, Meatloaf. Exactly. <laughs> that, was, that was a good question, and that's exactly right. <laughs> I'm going to have the cat pie. A few years ago, we had meatloaf. There was a few noise issues, a few sound issues. It wasn't the greatest of I loaf was, gigs. I was, I was told it was, yeah, it was, it was problematic. Mm. Did but you know about the meatloaf situation? I, they told me as I went on. <laughs> <laughs> so, whatever you do, don't do a meatloaf, whatever that meant. <laughs>
Den Lehik Og stiller Mit vogt Så Heaven I'll Meatloaf, extraordinary. And as the loaf gets on his Harley and rides into the sunset. Oh, rest in peace, big fella. I sincerely hope that that doesn't become all he's remembered for. I think in Australia it is. That's but the, just, that's but just the in Australia. Well, I don't think the AFL gets out what, too what, much. what I would like you to find at some point right. brief, during the show is some footage or audio yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Of the loaf singing the way that he could sing. Oh yeah! Prior, before these strokes happened. Yeah, it, it actually upsets me just a little bit that yeah. after he's now died, and that's what people want to look and reflect. And no, there's there's a lack of total lack of empathy for mm. his um, medical health. Well, and I guess the answer is well, they shouldn't have tried to put up this facade. Well, that's the other on, thing, on the it? day, which which clearly was they knew yeah. exactly what they were doing yeah. with eighteen backup well, I, singers. I and... mean, I was going to make a meatloaf joke, but uh, I won't do that. Oh, come on! I did read a report actually. He reckoned on that tour, two thousand eleven, mm. that he had a hemorrhaging vocal cord, and every time he tried to sing, mm. it basically burst and bled. Well, where did you find? Oh, because I, re- I was putting that together. Right, I found all these, all this stuff. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. No, no, that's what he said. He reckons during the performances, he was basically spitting. Every time he tried to sing, blood would come out. Right, because of this hemorrhaging. Well, that vocal sounds a cord. difficult situation. On that same time when he was over, when that interesting uh, episode happened at the grand final, he was on that show Rock Quiz or one of those ones. Oh, was he or Specs and Specs or oh, one, okay. one of those yeah. two shows? Yeah. yeah. And it's, he's on the, on the panel, and they're having a laugh. And at some point, he jumps up and starts to tr- sing "I Would Do Anything to, for oh, Love," right, okay, but not to the crowd or the audience, just to like mucking about, yeah. having a bit of a banter. And he sings it. He sounds exactly like he sounded on the day. He's going, oh, oh, do and and, and he actually he couldn't even sing that. Wow. It's just three words. The, the whole reports were basically about that he wasn't taking it seriously, but I think your point about the facade... Uh, and there, he, There's just no way... If you listen to him singing in the 90s, there's no oh, way he course. can... Of I mean, so it's one thing for your voice to become less strong as you get older. Yeah, yeah. You don't l- completely lose your pitch. No. no and, and, I mean, uh, I, I've, picked, had an out, entire I've career. picked out the worst bits there, obviously. Yeah. But, uh, well, good on you, B. He was yeah, all over the show. And... I think we've, I mean, we've talked about this before a long time ago. Yeah. He either did a, I was going to say a Trump rally, but it probably wasn't a Trump rally in 2012. Yeah. But he did a a presidential rally and tried to sing again, and exactly the same thing happened. In fact, it was actually worse than the AFL Grand Final. Okay. Okay. It was awful. It's funny. I think that was one of his last ever performances, but I did see he did a concert two months ago. What? Yeah. He did a concert two months ago. Is there any. Oh, there I is some it. footage, but clearly it's we're a sports okay. show, right? We're a sports show. We're not the. But I want to say one other thing you can in, in terms of life. a Trump rally. Yeah, he responded after after the disastrous effort that was the, the AFL Grand Final performance. He responded with the Trump like response. He, he just, didn't, just took no responsibility whatsoever no, no. and just it put it on on everyone else. Everyone no, else. No, no, no. He didn't back down for a second. He's going, no, I'm, I'm awesome. The one I thing I don't care. The one thing that you brought up ages ago when we did cover this on, mm. like I think it was like show five, wasn't right. it? Something that the band, phenomenal that, band. Oh, yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely. Top of the tore heat. it apart. Yeah, and then it was meatloaf at the front. Yeah, trying, trying to mask it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But they were good. The band was superb. Oh, f- phenomenal band. Yeah, yeah. I think looking back, 
I would have liked to have seen him in his pomp live. Would have been a show and a half. Well, I can tell you this for a fact. You can tell um, me, Rob. So We're my right. brother and sister I yeah. went to go and see Snap. Oops, upside the head. I said, oops, upside the head. <laughs> Meatloaf yeah. opened for Snap. What? Yeah. And proceeded to go on and blow the roof off. They just, all they could talk about was how awesome Meatloaf was. And then Snap made the mistake of trying to follow the loaf. And, and, who organises that? And they must have just been at the pinnacle of Oops Upside the Head fame. That's like a and, and, whoomp, there it is. Yeah, Meatloaf supporting song, two Meatloaf in a room or whoever they were. Well, yeah, well, there's an epic catalogue of, of hits and, and uh, incredibly grand, huge rock songs. Um, they, they never stood a chance, really. Do you know what? what? I am just that's blown me away. That's blown me away more than the AFL Grand Final well, news. Well, Meatloaf was the opening act for Snap. Yeah, they, they were oops upside the head, weren't they? No, they were the power. Oh, uh, I got the power. I got yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. We got to check out one. Whatever happened to Snap? Well, oh no, they are oops upside the head. So Rith- they had two hits. Oh, rhythm is a dancer as well. Three. Uh, and the power. Three big hits. Three big hits. No wonder Meatloaf supported those guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gets the big wicket of Stoinis. Yeah, it was a great delivery. Gibson's bold. Hatsiglou with that quick leggy. Wraps it onto the pads and onto the stumps. Oh, that's out. Sure is. First ball. Edwards is knocked over and Hatsiglou breaks through. Yeah! Hatsiglou with the enormous wicket. Maxwell not happy. That means a fair bit to Pete. He enjoyed that challenge so much. Very few bigger names in world T20 cricket, let alone in this competition. He was prepared to attack. Well bowled Peter Hatsoglu. Oh, that's out. Beautifully bowled Hatsoglu. That's better. Peter gets his man. The second wicket for Hatsoglu. Big smile. Hatsoglu continues his good form in the surge. Five for one, one, one. Go, Peter. Yeah, he's pumped. Hats off to Hatsoglu. Yes, hats off to Hatsy. He's from Melbourne, but he's playing for Perth. Now, Perth Scorchers, they've just made the final of the Big Bash. That's going to be at the Marvel, as we're calling it now, on Friday mm-hmm. night. They're going to play the winner of the Sydney Sixers and Adelaide Strikers, which is tomorrow night. Peter, welcome to the 365 Days of Sport family. Thank you for joining us, especially at this time of night. Yeah, hey, thanks for having me. It's uh, It's been a good season, and hopefully we can go uh, all the way in the big dance. Well, I mean, you've done the hard bit. You're there, playing away from home. It's been, uh, been a bit of a nightmare. Actually, tell us about playing away. I mean, I know you're from Melbourne, but being away from Perth for so long, how has that affected the boys? Yeah, look, it's been difficult for the boys. So we left Perth on the 5th of December, and we've been on the road for, for two months now. A lot of our guys have young families, and that's just, uh, look, it, it's unfortunate that they've had to deal with, you know, with families being separated and all that stuff. To add another layer to it, there's, you know, there's the Australian tour for uh, a few of our guys after this as well. So Mitch Marsh, Ashton Agar, Josh Inglis, um, yeah, they'll be taking off and, and traveling around the country playing the 2020s for Australia. So, yeah, a few of the guys have a little bit longer left to go. But anyway, it's just part of being a cricketer in, in the COVID era now. So just get on with it. Yeah. 
very true. What what do you do to keep yourself busy in the bubble? I mean, is it Netflix and chill? And it, what you know, what do you do to keep yourself occupied sitting in a hotel room? Yeah, look, as boring as answer as it is, that's uh, the reality. Is a lot of a lot of our time is spent just yeah, just biding our time like that in between games. For me personally, I, I work outside of cricket. Um, I'm in sort of risk consulting and management consulting, so that keeps me preoccupied. Yeah, when when we're not training and playing, but but for a lot of the boys, it's uh, it's it's difficult to to keep your mind occupied. I suppose being employed outside of uh, of cricket, well, that's one, it's a great thing because you're not always reliant on the cricket income, but. I mean, that obviously does take it a, a bit out of you. Are you constantly thinking about what's going on outside the cricket field in the business world? Oh, it's, it's an interesting one for me. I think cricket, up until last season uh, where I played my first year in the Big Bash, cricket wasn't wasn't a reality for me at all. It was something that I always did playing grade cricket and, and I was very fortunate to get my call up into the Melbourne Renegade squad. We had um, one guy get COVID, another guy had a um, heart issue. So I was very fortunate to get a call up to the Renegade squad and um, initially I was only meant to be there for two weeks I sort of I did well and I stayed on for the rest of the season and then and then uh, got signed by the Scorchers this year but look the Big Bash lasts for two months and outside of that yeah we're, although I'm training all year round outside of the two months where I'm sort of with the Big Bash I've, I've got time to pursue things outside of cricket so yeah it's sort of been a decision by me where I want to I want to keep pursuing those interests outside of work now, Pete um, just be honest with us mate in regard to pursuits outside of cricket how tempted have you been of late to just one sneaky pint just to sneak out just for one somewhere well what sort of punishment would you be looking at if if you do get wrapped over the wrist for that one <laughs> is this uh are you, are you talking in terms of the, the hub protocols and whatever <laughs> yeah just out? just hypothetically because you'd never do yeah. it I, I know you wouldn't but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now nah, look it's um as as we've gotten to this pointy end with the grand final and all that it's, it's probably just a risk that's not worth taking at this point early on in the tournament definitely um, would take the yeah, risk early sure. on in the tournament is that what you're saying <laughs> 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 but, well i heard you know you hear rumors of uh the sydney Sixers boys there at the Coogee pub mm. um oh. yeah turning it up there every uh every every weekend new um, south wales and that was the their rules. downfall i think so yeah I don't know. Look, it, it's one thing that us as a as a Scorchers squad. Fortunately, we've we've spent a lot of time in Adelaide and Queensland as well. So places that have been a bit more sheltered from COVID than than what Melbourne and Sydney have been. So we were probably lucky that we got to we dodged the COVID bullet there. But yeah, look, it's it's been a bit shit, boys. Not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, well, like you said, it is just two months of your of your year. <laughs> but but then okay, but then if you if you win the final, then is it all you know go for it? Is it? Uh, is it is it just absolutely go nuts? Yeah, yeah it is. Okay, yeah. sweet. Game on. It's uh, where where the the boys are making bookings and oh. all sorts of stuff. Yeah, and no, I look. You never know what's going to happen, but e- either way, you know, win or lose on the booze, as Ooh. they say. Right. So nice. that's, that's in the back of the mind. Well, that's sound like at the front of the front of the mind almost. Well, than, yeah. Well, it's the end of the bubble. Doesn't matter. <laughs> it's, the end of the bubble. <laughs> it's the end of the bubble. So you just end of the game. Bang! It's straight there. Now, Pete. Obviously, you got a Greek. Well, I'm going to say obviously, but um, you could have be a, with a name like. Zoglu could be Turkish, could be Greek, but I'm pretty sure you're from a Greek heritage. How did you get into cricket? Because the Greeks, I haven't got a huge cricket. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Presence? Pre- yes, that's the one. Presence. I'm trying to be kind, Rob. I'm trying right. to be kind. Hey, Greece does have an ICC membership. Um, they are currently uh, ranked number 73 in the 2020 <laughs> rankings, I'll have you know. Oh, there you go. Well, They're just behind Korea, that cricket powerhouse. <laughs> 
There have been a few Greek blokes play league spin. We've got obviously Marcus Stoinis in the Australian squad. Yep. Um, Theo Doropoulos. Theo Doropoulos. There's Nick Pothas who played for South Africa, or not played for South Africa, but he played some first class cricket in the UK and his South African heritage as well. So yeah. the reason I got into it was, um, well, my dad played as a junior. He was just, my he, my grandparents, they emigrated to Australia in the 1960s and um, obviously had my, my dad who, who was embraced by the local cricket club. And, and introduced the cricket that way. And it's sort of just been like a, uh, I guess, just continued on to me. Yeah, my dad played cricket through juniors and, and through seniors as well. And it's right. just sort of a nice story where um, it's gone full circle now and, and I guess I'm playing professionally. So yeah. So if the uh, Greek cricket board made the call to Peter Hatzoglu and said, Pete, we've got a big game coming up against Cyprus, the big derby, who are 70th <laughs> in the world, by the way. Would you, would you get on the plane? Would you go and put on the uh, the blue and white stripes? <laughs> I, uh, uh, if a free trip to, to Europe and Greece is on the line in Corfu, where I think they, I think they, they do play a lot of cricket in Corfu. Yes. Um, yeah. If a free trip to Corfu is on the uh, on the cards, then hey, pretty hard to turn down, isn't it? Well, for that's one right. Game of cricket. Yeah. Well, they play in these little, uh, you know, four. I think the last tournament Greece played in was actually in Bulgaria in Sofia. Uh, they did beat go. they did beat Serbia chasing 145. Yeah. They uh, got them five down. They did lose to Romania though. They didn't defend 158. And then they got flogged by the Bulgarians. Obviously, they're tough to beat on their home patch. Uh, they got done by 64 runs. So the Greeks, yeah, let's face it, they could do with a bit of help from uh, a seasoned professional like yourself. Yeah, look, uh, I've actually played cricket in Greece, funnily, oh, yeah. funnily enough. Okay. There was a schoolboys tour to, to Greece, and, and we played against the Harrow School, who also went on this trip. Oh, they, um, they'd never turned down a free trip to Greece either. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we played against a few other sides. It's funny, like, there, there are a lot of Indians or, or people of Indian heritage playing those competitions, and it's, it's funny to see how far the Indian diaspora sort of well, travels around the world. It's funny and, you should you know, say that, Pete, because cause Beefy here, he has a theory that... That the opening up of communication centres, which are predominantly employing Indians all over the world, is going to send cricket all over the planet at a rate of knots. What do you think about that idea? Yeah, well, uh, when you've got a billion people... I guess, uh, and and what one sixth of the world's population? It's uh, it's just a matter of time, really, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. fantastic for the game of cricket. And oh. It's funny, like you know, you guys, you, you've got here, you know, someone what a Kiwi? Yeah. Um, who, is that an English accent? Welsh. I Welsh, well? Welsh, yeah, from Wales. Welsh, yeah. There you go. I mean, yeah, a, a Kiwi and a, and a and a Pom speaking to a, an Australian. Mm-hmm. That's just the the reality of the cricket market now. Yeah. Um, people are speaking, or people are tuning into the Big Bash from all over the world, and it's funny when you compare it to. You know, sports like the Australian rules football over here. It's really popular, but only popular with Australians, I guess. So it's funny to see how far and wide cricket travels. Oh, it's unbelievable. I mean, uh, I mean, I've played, you know, I, I, I do have an international cap for cricket and I have played in Holland. I've played in the States, played in South Africa. And it's fantastic to see you flick on Fox Sports at a night and the European Cricket Championship is on between Finland and <laughs> the Cape Verde Islands or something. And well, we had John D. Rhodes on the show not that long long ago who's the head coach of sweden so that is the growth of cricket worldwide at the minute it's probably one of the fastest growing international sports around yeah it is it's it's phenomenal isn't it i mean i i remember that english cricket league i was playing or that european cricket league sorry i was playing in england um in 2019 and and that was sort of the first year where it really got up and running and um i think they played in spain phenomenal competition and uh you know for us blokes who are on the t20 circuit 
it's uh, something of interest playing in all those funny places. Canada as well, where Steve Smith and Dave Warner played yeah. on their um, on their years where they were banned. U.S. cricket's um, going from strength to strength, from what I understand as well. So it's really uh, it's really interesting. Well, they just beat Ireland, and who went on to beat the West Indies, who then beat England. So if you put that in a row, USA are better than England. <laughs> I'm drawing it when you put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Pete, I want to know, who's the fastest bowler you've ever faced? Oh, look, I reckon Jai Richardson just is someone who oh, comes yeah. to mind. Yeah, he bowled quick the other uh, night. More recently. Okay. I've, uh, he's probably someone who's, who's right up there. Uh, Adam Milne, thinking yeah, of a Kiwi. Kiwi. Yeah. Uh, yeah, look, there, there are a lot of guys. Look, fortunately, my role is more the bowling, so I don't have <laughs> yeah. to stress about the batting too much. But look, it can be a, big, it can be a pretty big challenge coming up against mm. guys like that. Daniel um, Vittori had a theory. What he would do is he reckoned the faster the the bowler, the lower his stance, so that if a, di- a short one did come, he's already further down, so he had less room to move. You've thought about something like that? <laughs> it's not a bad way of thinking about it. Look, for, for guys like me, I'm six foot four. For those who are listening, and, and um, yeah, for us, it's, it's pretty important. You want to get low. You want to have your low center of gravity and and give yourself the best chance to move from a powerful position, I suppose. So, especially when you're facing the quick bowling, that's definitely something you want to be doing. I think. Do you actually generally like? When you've been called up to put the pads on and get in the nets and you see these fast bowlers coming in off 18 yards just because they're just winding you up, do you just (laughs) shit yourself? I used to. (laughs) Look, there is an element of that. But you do become, over time, you become conditioned to it as well. And I remember being a a 14-year-old and going watching senior men's cricket um, at my local cricket club and thinking, fuck me, like these bowlers are coming in quick here and and Mm. they're bowling some real heat. But look, as you progress from the junior ranks to the senior ranks and the senior bowlers all of a sudden get slower, the same thing sort of happens when you get to the professional game as well. It's not that the bowlers get slower, obviously, but you just become more Mm. conditioned to it. Yeah, you just get used to it. Sorry, that's a bit of a boring answer. uh, (laughs) That's that's how I found it in my experience. Yeah, no, no, I, I know it's the same, you know, and the more you practice, the more you get used to it and the more you can train your eye and your reactions and you know your trigger points and everything else. So just to be technically boring as well, yes, you can easily get over it, but these fast bowlers, they still want to hurt you. They just, just want to wind you up every now and again. They pop in a short one. Like I said, they come in off 18 yards just to uh, make sure you're on your toes. But uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. Pete, you're a bit of a different leg spinner. Obviously, Dana Victoria being Australian, we all look at Shane Warne as a leg spinner, but you're very much of the apple crumbly, the old animal crumbly mode. Uh, bowls a lot quicker, a little bit of in duck as well to the right-hander. Was that something natural or is that how you've worked out your action that suits your body a bit better? Yeah, look, as time went on from junior cricket, I, I always well, I always wanted to be like Shane Warne. And every, every junior cricketer in Australia is going to grow up trying to emulate Shane Warne. But time progressed, I uh, I figured that that sort of bowling probably wasn't a strength for me. And that was maybe why I missed out on all these junior pathway sides coming through the ranks. I never played the under-17 or the under-19 Victorian team or anything like that. So, yeah, look, I, I finished high school. I went to my local premier cricket club, Melbourne University. And, um, and I just figured, right, I want to just bowl my own way here. I'm going to bowl with a bit more speed. I want to bowl with some drift. Um, I'm going to bowl with a high release point, which means I won't be able to, or it'll be a lot more difficult for me to spin it as a leg spinner. But all those things sort of put together, I did them as they were a bit more natural to me. I ran in a little bit quicker as well. And um, yeah, I guess as time went on, it just sort of works itself out. And um, yeah, I'm here now, I guess. And it's good to see the journey. And uh, I'm, I'm really enjoying my cricket at present. So hopefully I can just keep going. So you should be. I mean, I mean, look, I'm nearly, uh, nearly 50, put it that way. 2020's come a bit late for me, although I... I still could do a job, mate. I still could do a job. Um, but I'll let, I'll let just know. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of that, I mean, must be fantastic. I remember talking to Luke Wright when he 
was over here playing a while ago, and I, I simply asked him, who are you playing for? And he forgot two of the clubs that he actually was playing for, you know, the Bangladesh Premier League. Um, there is so much opportunity. And not only that, there's the Dubai 10-over league nowadays as well. It's The number of leagues popping up in unusual places is just phenomenal. And for somebody like yourself who's quite young, bowls a bit differently, very suited to very short format cricket, the world's your oyster, mate. Yeah, look, it is something that's exciting. A lot of these competitions have been put on hold as well with COVID and with the nature of international travel being really difficult. But uh, look, I, I look at places like the UAE and uh, and even Sri Lanka. They've just hosted their Lanka Premier League, which which ran really successfully. The PSL is happening right now um, over in Pakistan. And, and then, I mean, the IPL is, is uh, the, the, the biggest and the best, obviously. So look, there's a lot of opportunity in that space. And, and it's something that I'll definitely look to get involved in over time. But um, look, the international travel component of it as well, as great as it can be, um, if you're doing that all year round and, and that's your sort of life where you're just traveling all the time, that can wear uh, wear thin as well, oh, no I doom. suppose, for a lot of these guys. I'm speaking, I'm, I'm maybe being a bit more pessimistic because I've yeah. just spoken to Colin Munro. He's got a young family and a yeah. wife and everything like that. You're and, only uh, 23, aren't you, Pete? Exactly. Oh, go, go for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're far too considerate. Just, <laughs> just putting your ears back, I reckon. Nah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> now, on a typical Sunday, Pete, I um, I was involved with uh, quite a few Greek families. What's the normal spread? for a Greek family on the Sunday in your household? was it? Is it just mountains of meat? Pretty much. It's funny, my girlfriend, um, who's, who's not Greek at all, she's uh, she's always into me about the amount of meat I eat. Uh, look, typical Sunday, we get the you know the Greek spit roast out. We get oh. the art. <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, but, uh, yeah, lots of meat. Uh, cakes. Spend a lot of time. A lot of cakes as when well. I grew, when cakes, the, the baklava, and the baklava as well. Uh, that's a mouthful for you. But uh, when I was growing up, I used to spend a lot of time at my grandparents' place, and you get all that sort of food yeah very fond memories and and i'm living in adelaide now the rest of my family's in melbourne so i don't get to do that as much but um yeah mate meat will forever be uh in my heart never never <laughs> helps the old skinfold test though does it oh skinfolds don't you know every big bash everyone um tends to put on a, a bit more weight and and the skinfolds go up a little bit right um yeah we don't we don't get tested with the skinfolds during the big bash but as soon as i get back to south australia and uh training with, with the south australian squads yeah we'll I'll be uh, interested to see what I need to do to make up for the other uh, two months of sins yeah. in the big well, bash. Recently, they're, they're banning the skin. They're banning the skinfold test, or they're calling it something else. And in the, in the AFL, they're no longer having this skinfold test. Is it for the both for the, the men yeah. and the women though? I don't know. Do you yeah, know, Pete? No, that's right. Yeah, what they did was they um, banned the skinfold testing for draftee prospects. Right. So yeah, each year, obviously, the um, NFL drafts in new players, and uh, those there's an AFL draft where it's sort of like seventeen. 18 year olds get picked up yeah and uh i think the idea behind getting rid of the skinfold testing for that particular age group was it's just like a one-off number that they measure yeah at, at one point in time and and i think the skinfolds are meant to tell a story of your like your progress and whatever and right you know and all the gym work and all the fitness stuff yeah. you do and and taking a one-off number doesn't really mean too much in the context of an of an afl career or a cricket career for that matter as oh. well so so it wasn't anyway, like a, um, a hypersensitive politically correct thing they were doing it was just just didn't mean anything right <laughs> you never know what the motive is but, right. uh, but yeah who yeah, knows okay, okay. <laughs> anyway, either way you can't escape it so. yeah well that's right that's exactly <laughs> right well Peter 
we have to thank you for joining us. I know it's late. I know you're probably bored and was glad of the company, to be honest. But uh, in real terms, we are very, very grateful that you could actually join us and uh, spend a bit of time with us. We have to wish you good luck for Friday night because that is the big one. I'm not sure what kind of bonus you've got in your contract for winning the whole Big Bash League, but I bet it's bloody tasty. And I bet the uh, the folks are looking forward to uh, seeing a bit of percentage of that and the return on their investment. Yeah, that's right. We'll, uh, we'll try our best. I don't know. The, the strikers, they're, um, they're hitting some good form at the minute. So yes, six on the trot. Of them. And obviously that's a good, it, yeah. good mate of yours is in very good form, Peter Siddle. He uh, absolutely killing it as a captain, which is uh, quite a surprise because he always struck me as a bit of a, well, not captain material. Yeah, look, it's an interesting one. I mean, with Travis Head being involved in the uh, test side this summer and Alex Carey as well, that left the void open. And um, he's an experienced player, obviously. So I think to his own admission, said in the media that um, that it took him some time to find his feet with the captaincy and the bowling at the same time. But seems to be working for him yeah. well at the minute. And uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll just we'll, look, we'll, we'll go into this game as we have filled with confidence. And I think a lot of our guys, we spoke today about a game against the Sixers the other night. And, and I think we're just with the time off we've had and um, to finishing first and the ladder, all that the advantage you get, I guess, is you get a bit more time in between games. With all that time off, we've been able to really feel sort of refreshed and ready to go, get our minds and bodies right. So should be a good game either way, yep. whether we play the uh, the Strikers or the or Sixers. Sixers. Exactly right. Well, that game is tomorrow, starts at 7.25, the Sixers and the Strikers. The winner of that game will face Peter Hatzoglu and the Perth Scorchers on Friday night at the Marvel. First ball is at 7.40pm. Tickets still available. Get along to the Marvel if you're a Hatzoglu fan, as we all are now on 365 Days of Sport. We will be there with you, Pete. We have to thank you. Like I said, it's uh, it's pretty late here in Melbourne for you to jump on the phone this time of night. We really do appreciate that, and we have to wish you the best of luck. You've made a new fan in Michael Vaughan as well, so I'm pretty sure he'll be chasing you to go and play candy cricket as well at some stage in the very near future. <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting for the call. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Thanks, boys. All right, Thanks, mate, mate. Have a great night. Excellent. Thanks a lot, mate, and best of luck for Friday night. Cheers, appreciate it. No problem at all. Hey, bro, if we were on a desert island and there wasn't any grass... No grass? Would you eat me to survive? Oh, bro, who'd eat a cow? Premium New Zealand beef. Jack Leagues, beef up your snack life. I'm Mick Fanning, and this is 365 Days of Sport. Oh, cricket theme tonight, Rob. Can I ask you, when you said... um, that Peter Siddle, we didn't think he was captaincy material. Yeah. Is that basically from when he had that banana diet? That's up there. That was, everyone kind of turned on him then. He's gone yep. vegan. He's eating only banana, eight bananas a day. 18 bananas a day. Yeah. I, he used to shop in the, um. That was enough for you, just too many bananas. <laughs> what if it was only three bananas? Well, that... I don't think you can sustain a professional sporting lifestyle on three bananas a day, Rob. No, um, but no other things. He as used well. to shop in the uh, in the Woolworths in Mooney Ponds. Mm. I used to see him in there a little bit. Okay. That's full on potassium, man. Why was he living Mooney Ponds? Um, that's a very good question. I think he was dating a physio from Carlton. What? I don't know why I what? know this, Rob. What? How do you know that? I, of all that's things, a, it's a and, w- and that's also got no relevance whatsoever as to why he's in Mooney Ponds. Well, Carlton's next suburb over. Next, Booney well, Ponds is next to Carlton. It is if you go. It's about nine suburbs over. Oh, not that far, Rob. It is. Prince's Park to Mooney Ponds. 
Anyway, gags to David Boomrob. Yep. It's not that far. Uh, I've got to pick a number, don't I? Um, well, I could just read them all out. 154. Oh, 154. Okay, yeah. gags with David Boone. Oh, hello. Blind loyalty, this one's called, Rob. Oh, gosh. A Melbourne Victory fan desperately wanted to watch his team play their away game against Sydney FC. Now, unbelievably, Melbourne are playing Sydney FC right now. Oh. Well, they were. It was one all half time. I was going to go. I should have a massive punt this weekend. Possibly. If I'm getting that, that accurately. But he couldn't afford the flight to Sydney. He didn't have pay television and he couldn't go to any of his local pubs to watch the game because his new girlfriend had asked him to mind her pet dog, a dachshund named Fang. And he knew all the hotels in the area had strict no-dogs policies. But then he came up with an ingenious plan. He found a pair of very dark sunglasses and the dog's lead and set off on a long walk to a pub he had never been to before. There he carefully walked up to the entrance, felt around for the door, stumbled in, knocked over a chair and then clambered onto a barstool close to a TV showing the football. The dog sat down next to him, but within a minute a barman came up and said, Hey mate, can't you read the sign? No dogs allowed. Get that mongrel out of here. I'm sorry, the soccer fan replied softly, but I can't read any signs. I'm blind. This is my seeing eye dog. Mate, you're not fooling anyone, the barman sneered. Since when have Dachshunds become seeing eye dogs? They gave me a Dachshund? The victory supporter asked incredulously. That's it? That's it. Gags with David Boomerang. Well, I mean, that would be a good way to sustain uh, the charade of being blind. It would be. So in that way, it's quite cunning. Quite cunning? Um, but it's not something that I'm, I'm bellowing with laughter at. And so you shouldn't. Yeah. Not one of his best boobies. Not as good as that genie one. Not as good as the genie one? Nah. No. So, but, but it's not a shocker. It's not as bad as the one. There's a couple of shockers in there. We've there's there's some... one that wasn't even a, a, any joke. It was just no. some stuff happened. Yeah, the rugby union one. Rugby union one, Something was like it? that. Anyway. Okay. Uh, Rob, in your humble opinion, mm. who invented the burrito? Mexico. Mexico. No, not true. Uh, Brazil. (laughs) Not even close, Rob. Spain. That's getting closer. But anyway. North Korea is claiming that King Jong-il invented the burrito. Well, in that case, I was right the first time. (laughs) Mexico, you were. Yeah. Bizarre propaganda in North Korea has suggested that the former leader invented the burrito 10 years Mm. ago. Oh, yeah. The false claim came as the country said he was doing a booming trade in the Tex-Mex dish in the capital Pyongyang. A surreal video described the meal as a wheat wrap to a population struggling with food shortages. The Rodong Sinmun newspaper, seen as a government mouthpiece, reported that the burrito was thought up in 2011 by Kim Jong-il. The father he of thought current, it up, did he? He thought it up, the father of current Supreme Leader Kim Jong-un. The report added that his son and successor also take a meticulous interest in burritos. Surreal newsreel footage shows North Koreans munching... Hang on, hang on. (laughs) So so he doesn't call it a burrito, he calls it a wheat something. Well, there is a a language issue, obviously, across the board here. Yeah. The direct translation is... He's not actually saying in Korean, Korean stuff and using the word burrito. I'm not sure, Rob. I haven't watched the report, unfortunately, and if I did, I probably wouldn't... Because that immediately shows that he he didn't invent it. Because he's the word burrito is a, is his Mexican word. True. Surreal newsreel footage shows North Koreans munching on the snacks at a stand outside the Kumsong food factory, and also showed a mural of Kim Jong Il grinning in a kitchen where his famous burritos were being prepared. 
It is far from the first outlandish claim about the former leader, who supposedly shot 11 holes in one during his first ever round of golf, where he claims to have shot an unprecedented 38 under par. Yeah, I was about to bring that up, actually. Well, the newspaper did. 38 under par. Yeah, 11 holes in one. Mm. Not bad. Those who escaped the secretive state have also poured doubt on the idea that the raps are common there. Hyung Seong Lee. See, the thing about that golf round, Yeah, I can't imagine him even actually being able to hit the ball. No, not Kim Jong-il. So I don't reckon he even turned, went around any course anywhere. Him and, and they Trumpy. just They just put it, it out there. It was him and Trumpy. They went They played to together. Uh, no, come on. But the thing is... They might have. Trump would seem like an angel playing against that guy. <laughs> True. He seemed like an absolute pinnacle of honesty and, and uh, integrity. Uh, this young Sung Lee, he fled the country in 2014, said most of his countrymen couldn't even dream of a burrito. This is because... Wouldn't be much of a dream. It would be to them, Rob. You keep going on about their underdeveloped... Well, I, I know that, but... Anyway, sh- just... This is because they are not even given an opportunity to encounter it. The majority of citizens do not have money to buy foreign food. Even if they have the money, there's no place to eat it. In the 90s, bread and butter lovers were satirised and criticised as socialised traitors. Okay. Just for eating bread and butter, Rob. Yeah, I heard. Yeah. The Butter Battle Book. Also... That's a a real-life version of the Butter Battle Book. Is it? Yeah. Okay, you work on that one. Mm. Um, he added that in many cases there's not enough ingredients available to recreate foreign foods. I have never ever seen burritos or wraps on sale in North Korea. Perhaps there were no restaurants where you can eat burritos and wraps until now. The penetration rate of Western food in North Korea is extremely low because there are very few restaurants where you can eat it and the food ingredients are not diverse. Milk, cheese and spices are absolutely lacking. Mm. So not only if you don't have any money and there's no choice and anything else, mm. you don't get to taste anything either. No, I knew that. There do appear to be some differences between North Korean burritos and more traditional Western versions. Uh, Wikipedia claims that the burrito was invented in the 30s in America. In, in the USA. That's what it says. Uh, the Pyongyang version appears to feature... It's a very dubious claim, though, just a claim that you... I mean, someone somewhere has found, you know, a, a enchilada, or what, what do you call the thing, the, the burrito wrap thing? Yep. A, a wrap. Someone's yep. come up with this. It's just flour and water, pretty much. It's not much to it, to that no. dough. And, and and someone's come across it. And someone, at some point, has put some kind of filling in it, like b- before 1930. Yeah, before 1930, no doubt. Um, the difference is... I mean, they already had sandwiches for a lot. It's not a big leap from a sandwich to a burrito. It's it's just wrapping things in some kind of flour-based... Yeah, the Earl of Sandwich. Yeah. He invented that. It's just, it's just some sort of flour-based batter, which creates a very simple thing that's edible that can hold various fillings. Now, the North Korean burrito features doner kebab meat instead of mince. This is the main but difference. But then it's just more like a souvlaki then. A, a little bit. We should got Pete. That's all glue to this, this is not like a out there revolutionary cooking techniques. This is not some sort of it strange like, fusion. It's like a wrapped kebab. This is what it is. So it's Mexican-Greek fusion made by Koreans. Couldn't have said it better myself. Okay. Far from being a late night snack after drinking heavily, Kim Jong Il advised that the wheat wraps are best accompanied by mineral water in the summer and hot tea in the winter. There you go. A beer is the best thing to have with a burrito, actually. So, rubbish. Um, Do they have beer in North Korea? I would assume they do. Sure. I I reckon they wouldn't. We'll have to look that up. Food shortages remain a significant issue in North Korea, with Kim Jong-un himself conceding last June that the situation was tense. Mm -hmm. 
So, yeah. So, North Korea invented the Brio, apparently, according to their own press. That's one of the more ridiculous stories <laughs> okay. I've heard. And the only thing about North Korea... I mean, it is enjoyable to laugh at the insanity, but don't go and listen to actual serious accounts of what that country is like, because it's the greatest humanitarian disaster on the planet. Well, we'll never know. No. It's like their, it's like their COVID crisis in North Korea. When, when the first case appeared, it disappeared about five minutes later. Yep. And then an hour later, another case disappeared five minutes later. But they, do you know when, whenever someone comes through is, is doing a story from the outside, they have an accompany with them the whole time. If oh, they yeah. go to some town, the town often has actually no electricity. And they turn the electricity on just for when this person comes, so it looks like they're <laughs> in this happy place. When, in fact, it's actually decimated and, and people there's no water or anything. What do you think they would have made of us if we'd gone to North Korea to report on North Korean sport. I wouldn't go there. I'd get they'd kill me immediately because I'd say some stupid thing as a joke, laughing. Oh, Kim Jong Un, look at that tubby loser, isn't he a twat? And all of a sudden, then I'm dead. Right, that's it. We're in trouble now. Now you've I, said that. No, not you can't get me here. I've already made fun of him on social media anyway. <laughs> you did. I've got no time for him. Oh, really? I'm not afraid of Kim Jong Un outside of Korea. I am. You can't do anything. <laughs> What's oh, he's gonna? He's going to hone in and send his next missile. I can't travel this far. You can barely clear Japan. Well, thanks for that. Um, you want some New Zealand news? Yep. Woman tries to sell husband on Trade Me after one fishing trip too many. Didn't you read this last week? I don't think so. Why is it so familiar? Perhaps you read it. This is deja vu all over again. Uh, John McAllister is a husband for sale listed on Trade Me by Linda after he embarked on an impromptu fishing trip. He's six foot one, thirty-seven years old, and a beef farmer. He's had a number of previous owners, but should remain loyal if kept fed and hydrated, says current wife Linda. As he is a shooting and a fishing sort of fellow, it's not unusual behaviour. But with kids on school holidays and bad times slipping later and later, they're all driving me wild. Linda said. It certainly didn't help that he was flat out of work, leaving her alone to entertain their four- and six-year-old boys. Colt and Ryder. Okay. The McAllisters moved to Martin a year ago, the largest town in rural Rangitiki. They previously lived in Waikato, but got married in 2019 in Ireland, where Linda's originally from. Oh, we had nothing... Oh, I can't... Oh, don't. Accents have gone crazy yeah. at the minute. Yeah. Arr, no, don't. I, just I, don't. I can't... We had nothing don't. in common except me. Already. No, that's a it's West a pirate. Country. That's pirate. a pirate. His wife was a Ooh. pirate from Ireland. <laughs> yeah. I'm, it's the wrong day, Rob. Just read what We she had said. nothing in common except my heritage. John was Irish on his father's side. She said for most part with a happily married couple and their Irish sense of humour meant John also found the ad hilarious. He was sure he'd fetch a pretty penny. He is avidly watching the ad to prove said theory. I'm just laughing at the whole thing, he said. His advice to husbands thinking of ditching the kids and missus during the school holidays was to watch themselves. By lunchtime Tuesday, 12 bids had bumped up the sale to $100. Wow. Yeah. A few hours later, the post was removed. Far from swearing off making the same mistake twice, he said he wouldn't be surprised if he wound up on a new listing in the future. Would-be buyers were very curious about their could-be husband. Some asked to trade him for the one they already had. Uh, any vices asked one. He's extremely fond of lengthily pasture and or weather conversations, generally of a Friday evening, mm. involving a sturdy focus on hydration. Also suffers from socks on the floritis, which I have found to be contagious to younger models and unfortunately reoccurring. I see. So uh, John's up for sale. He doesn't sound like he's up to much, old he's John. He's a beef farmer. Good old um, John. 100, 100 bucks, and that was it. Yeah, then it got removed. I reckon if if I do well in one of those auctions things, yeah, like one of those You're a a catch, ch- a charity auctions. Yeah. You're a catch. If it was me versus I'd do better than you. Oh, no doubt. <laughs> 
<laughs> no doubt. Nobody wants a 48-year-old fat loser like me. However good-looking I am. Here's <laughs> uh, one. Schoolboy loses both nipples after classroom dare involving two cans of Lynx Africa. Gosh. Loses both nipples. Loses both nipples. What happened? A 15-year-old schoolboy was dared by a friend and accidentally froze his nipples off in front of a crowd before going on to his next lesson. Oh, that would hurt. A student lost his nipples after he was dared to squirt two cans of body spray on them, causing the body parts to fall off. The boy who was not named, was in his school changing room when someone challenged him to empty two cans onto his exposed chest. Immediately afterwards, someone flicked his nipples, causing them to pop off. Jesus. He said, at first it's just cold. It's not really a big thing. And then it starts to burn. And you're there just waiting for it to finish. It was fine. It was all fine. Then the boy was actually freezing my nipples. He then flicked them. And that's when they fell off. Have you ever seen a wart? It was exactly like that. It hurt. It was like raw, exposed skin. Uh, the student lost his nipples as a 15-year-old. He went to his next lesson as if nothing had happened. He added, I'm in German. I'm just sitting there. My nipples are now gone. I'm just chilling. And then people are like, your shirt's bleeding. And you just see these two bloodstains from both my nipples. My German teacher actually stopped the lesson and was like, what is going on? Do you need to go to the medical room? And I was like, nah, it's fine. Uh, he added, people usually react with disbelief when he reveals his lack of nipples, although most people end up laughing, including his first girlfriend. Although, he urged people to be cautious if they decided to copy him. He added, he has no regrets and would do it again if he could go back in time. <laughs> what? Why? I put myself in this position because I accepted the dare. Now that I look back on it, it's just like, it's stupid. It happened. Now I've got no nipples. I, I, I have very little to say about that. <laughs> It's one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. But more his attitude towards it. Although it must be said, he's going to be someone that's going to be, if he goes through any painful circumstances, I don't mean physical things, maybe emotional pain later yeah, in his yeah. life, he may be someone who can just move on like that. Oh, I think so. Like, no problem. Uh, and that's a real superpower. Yeah. It makes you sort of um, a sociopath. I wonder Nothing gets to you. I wonder what's left there. I, I don't really wonder. True. Yeah. I mean, it's it's less, uh, less a problem for a man than it is for a woman, I'd suggest. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing with that. Yeah. You can get them tattooed back on nowadays. Can you? Apparently you, look, so. you looked into that. Did you beef? Is that part of the research? <laughs> not my research. Gosh. Not my research. Oh, well. What up? Same old, same old. You? Fifty Shades of Greys. Nice. <laughs> hey, did you hear the news about Bridget? She's making her way around Australia. For reals? Yeah, she's everywhere. Barbecues, footy, even camping. Well, sounds like she's flat out. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to go to Australia. One day, bro. One day. Premium New Zealand beef. Jack Leagues. Beef up your snack life. Hey, this is Toddy Goldsmith, and you're listening to 365 Days of Sport. Is Toddy still in the jungle, Rob? Uh, no, I haven't watched any TV in weeks. Okay, not mm. me. I wouldn't know. I watched a mob movie here and there. Do you? I've got some good top fives for you here. Top fives? Oh, just fives. Just questions. Yeah, sports questions, trivia questions, sports hopefully. Because yeah. it's Sporting Gladiators time, people. It's a quiz, sports trivia quiz. We ask each other sports trivia questions. Three questions each. Best of 15. There's five potential answers per question. Mm. So it's a bit of a challenge to uh, sporting knowledge. 
It's uh, I'm enjoying it to be honest. I'm loving this because it's it is pushing the envelope. Pleased to hear a beef. Alrighty, I'm going to go first, Rob. Seven South African golfers have won major tournaments. Name five of those seven. Ernie Els. That's one. Of the Zephyrs. Uh, oh, no, that guy's Zimbabwean. Nick Price, he don't count. Um, of course, it's the great the great man, Gary Player. That's two. We have got... Uh, what's that guy's name? Euston. Weston. You're on the right track. Is it Euston Westhazen? I'll give you that. I'll give yeah. you that. Yeah. He had a famous dad as well. It's Louis Oosterhuizen. His dad was Mr. Okay. Oosterhuizen. Those are the. I think those are only three Saffirs I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, now let me just think about. The, I should think about that tournament they have. Sun so City. Nah. Oh. Who am I forgetting? Anyone? I, I, nah. That's all I got really okay. right now. Uh, one from the fifties, I think. Bobby Locke. Okay, no, I, I know that name. I had no yeah. idea it's African. Uh, Retief Goosen. Retief Goosen should have got that one. And the other that... two, uh, Charles Swartzel. No idea. And Trevor Immelman. Mm, I've maybe heard that name mm. once or twice. Yeah. Should have got Retief Goosen. That's the one I was probably yeah, he's searching won a, for. He's, I think he's won three, Retief Goosen. Yeah. Mm, I think Trevor Immelman's a former world number one as well, okay. potentially. But that's all right. Right, OB. Three. That's about your par, generally. Yep. No pun intended. Um, no pun intended. Simply name the top five test wicket takers of all time for Zimbabwe. <laughs> all right, that's okay. That's okay. So obviously number one is streaky. Yep. Who would have been? And I'll give you none of them are currently playing. Thanks. Yeah. People, so it's all from more glory days. Yeah. None of them stuck around for long. That's the thing. Do you know what? It's probably someone like Grant Flower. He didn't did he even bowl? Yeah, he bowled these little dibbly dublies, but no, he's, he's not in not, the top he's five. Not in there. All right. Because they only played ten. I probably would have got two if I had to take this. And you already got one of them. Yeah. I'm going to hang my head in shame. Um, I'm going to say something. Guy Whittle. No. I, no. Remember, I remember him, though. Yeah, he was no. a dibbly dubbly medium. So, what? You got, you got two more guesses left? Yeah. I'm trying to think of a spinner that might have been around for a while. Ray Price? Yes. Oh, was that an answer? I was going to say Ray Price okay, anyway. He's well that, the only one. That, he's second. He's second, is he? Yeah, yeah. And then I'm going to say Henry Alonga. Yeah. Oh, he's in there as well? He's in there as well. Right. So you got three. Well done. The others, uh, I, I think his name's Paul. Paul Strang. Yep. Paul Strang. He was a leg spinner. And the other one's A.G. Kremer. Oh, Graham Kremer. Graham and Kremer. I've got his shirt. Oh. From the... <laughs> he's fifth. <laughs> he's fifth. fifth, is he? So streak first, then Price, Strang, Alonga, Kremer. Kramer. Graham Kramer, yeah. Three all. Right. Three all. Wow. I thought that was a good one. Okay, then. There are six London clubs in the English Premier League this season. Yeah. Name five out of the six. Oh. Okay. Okay. Come on. That's all there. Arsenal. That's one. Chelsea. That's two. Uh, West Ham United. That's three. Uh, uh, Tottenham. That's four. And who's that other? Who's another one? Oh, have I got this right or not? Newcastle. It's not in London, is no, it? No, it's in Newcastle. Yeah, it is in Newcastle, you're uh, right. Oh, why did I think that one? Uh, what about, who's the one that starts with E? One that starts with, oh, they might have dropped down below into the second thing. Where they're pretty rubbish. I should have got this in. Oh, Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace. 
But that's there you the, go. but that's six. So I only got four. You did get four. I would have given you Palace because Newcastle is a bit stupid. Yeah. Uh, the other one is Brentford, which you know why I said Newcastle what? because Newcastle Knights are red and blue, right? And because Crystal Palace <laughs> are red and blue, I got it. It went mental in my head. That's why I said that. Right. God oh, damn it. Red and blue. Damn it! I should have got five there. Yeah. And who's the other one? Brentford. Oh, I wouldn't have got Brentford. near Heathrow. Well, who's the other thing that starts with E? E, e, t, e t, not E. Everton. Everton. That's Liverpool. They're in Liverpool. Oh, Everton are they? Is, okay. Yeah. Well, that would have been wrong. Wrong end of the country. Okay. Not bad, Rob. Not bad. Not bad, but should have got that. Should have got that. Sticking with cricket. Yeah. Top five Sri Lankan test run scorers. Okay. <laughs> Sangakara. Yep. Jaya Saria. Yep. What's the big fat bloke called? <laughs> Um, <laughs> Russell Arnold is he in the top five? Nah, no, he's been around a hundred years though. There's one that I had no idea he scored this many runs. Wow, it's like Rangana Hayrath. He's just one of those <laughs> yeah. blokes that you yeah. just never unbelievable. Yeah. Um, Kalu Withrana? No, not Kalu. Okay, nah. and the other one is the one I'm thinking of, and I have no idea what he, he's, he's called. He's actually not in there, isn't he? No. Nah. All right, there you go. Because you haven't said his name, I'll let you keep going. <laughs> but he's not there, so I don't have to say it because I can't even remember who he is. Uh, okay, Sri Lankan Dilip Mendes. No, no, two beef. Yeah, no. Uh, so does Sankara. Second is Jay Wardner. Jay Wardner. Yeah, I could have said Jay Wardner. There's about seven of them, so I should have got that. It's D Jay Wardner. Yeah. Guess how many runs he's got. 8,000. 11,814. Crazy. Yeah. Um, JS3 is third. Yeah. Silva. That's the one I was thinking of. You were thinking of Arjuna Ranatunga. Oh, I was, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think of... Actually, you know what? I was probably thinking of the one, but the other name. Right, you got them confused. Yeah. So they're all the same. And, and Asanka Gura Singer was around the same time. Gura Singer? Yeah, because they, they were all three yeah, fat bikes. Yeah, they were, yeah. Um, and the fifth one's currently playing. don't know. Angelou Matthews. Oh, that's... That you meant when you said Russell Arnold? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah I thought yeah, so. Yeah, I was like, yeah. Russell Arnold, isn't he a bowler? Yeah, he was all rounder, but all rounder. Yeah, yeah, but I was thinking Angelo Matthews. I thought you're right. Yeah, no, you're right. That's wrong. You should get all five on this one. You should. Yeah, come on, Roberto. Now. Come on. Name New Zealand's top five Test wicket takers in order. Number one is Sir Richard Hadley. Yes, one. Number two is oh, it's still Vittori, Dan Vittori. It is Vittori. Tim Southey. Yes. Trent Bolt. Yes. Neil Wagner. The Wagner yes. is. Yeah. Well he just, because Neil Wagner, he just overtook Chris Martin. And then it's Chris Kens. Seven I got for you. you. Bonus. Great one, Beef. Appreciate that one. Easy. You've gone three, four, five. Three, four, five. Not bad at all. Righto. This is a good one, Beef. Good. NFL. Oh, yeah. Top five most uh, rushing yards. Oh, okay. Emmett Smith. Yep. I only heard of two of these names. Top five. Walter Payton. Yep. Smith, Payton. Jerome Bettis. No. No. Old school. Ladanian Tomlinson. No. No. Barry Sanders isn't there. Oh, Adrian Peterson. Yep. And Barry Sanders is in the top five. Barry Sanders is in the top five. So it's the three in the... So there, Adrian Peterson's five, Barry Sanders four, Emmett Smith one, Payton two. At three is... Just for a laugh. Thurman Thomas? Frank Gore. 
Oh, Frank Gore, he's still playing, Frank oh, Gore. Oh, oh, he's the one I saw who's played about five, six different clubs. Oh, and the rest. Yeah, yeah. He just, yeah. He just it was going. about ten, yeah. He's got nothing else going in his life. He just said, oh, I'm going to play football <laughs> this year. He's running. Just going to play football this year. I think he's... I don't know who where he's cropped. He might be at San Francisco this season again. Yeah. They were in the finals this yeah. week. Yeah. What, well what a hidden. week of NFL. Unbelievable. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers lost. Kansas City just got up in overtime. Cincinnati Bengals are in the semifinals. Like, unbelievable. Mental. Dallas lost. Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. That's an NFL team. Yeah, it is. Yeah. They're in the semifinals. Never even heard of them before. That's that's where Boomer Esiason made his name, mate. Okay. But they haven't been in the Super Bowl since, oh, God, mid, mid-90s. mid mm-hmm. No, early 90s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's in the semifinals, Cincinnati versus Kansas City, and the Los Angeles Rams are playing San Francisco. Okay. 49ers. So... The Rams should probably win because they're a good side. They beat Tampa Tom, Tom, Bay. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady could have played his last game of American football. Right. The 45-year-olds. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the NFL is winding up very... Only got a couple of couple of weeks to go. Are you fired up, Beef? I've enjoyed the NFL this year. Good. Really have. I actually switched on. It was on TV the other day when I turned on... I, when Saturday, I Sunday. Yeah, it was two games Saturday, two games Sunday here. Yeah. Or the other way around. So two games Sunday, two games Monday. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been great, the NFL. But fantastic weekend. I need but I used to I learned how the rules off playing computer games. Tech Mobile. I can't remember what it was called. <laughs> it was on the Amiga five hundred. The oh, Commodore Amiga five hundred. Don't know. Don't but, know. Uh, it's good good game. Yes. So that's uh, very hard to take a uh, shotgun pass. Oh, was he? Yeah. Right. But then if you did, you're generally away. Forget mm. about it. They couldn't get you. Good. Yeah, is it exciting? Yeah. The uh, the Olympics starts next week. Oh, February four, Winter Olympics. The Winter Olympics. Yeah, yeah. You should always say Winter Olympics. I should. You're yeah. right. Yeah. It's like saying golf. You're not allowed to say golf anymore. It's men's golf or women's golf. Well, not if you're just saying you're going to play golf. <laughs> yeah, I know. But when you're talking about records and things, but Jamaica have a skier. Ah, oh, they're back doing the cool runnings. No, that's the bobsleigh. They've yeah, got, yeah, I'm aware got... that's a bobsleigh, but it's the yeah. same sort of also, idea. I mean, where does no, a Jamaican right. learn to ski? Exactly right. But... John Candy's doing it? What, the Is skiing? he the coach? No, is he the coach? John Candy is not the coach. Yeah. He's dead, Rob. Jamaica... You know qualified... who the coach will be? It'll be Doris, the guy who quite, was the front of the bobsleigh team. Probably. He'll coach... Anyway, Jamaica have actually qualified talking of bobsleigh in the two-man bobsleigh the four-man bobsleigh, and the women's single bobsleigh, the monobob. It's thriving. Jamaican bobsleigh is thriving. Yeah. Not only that. Depth of talent. Oh, clearly. Yeah. Talking about weird sporting things, I know uh, Annalise Koberger, she's mm. set the New Zealand ski team Alight. crazy in years the past ago. 20 years. Yeah. Anyway, um, actually, the Kiwis... 30 even. I think, they didn't they get a medal in down, in one of the skiing forms in the last... Winter Olympics? It's possible, Beef. I think they did. It's quite Alice, possible. Off the top of my head, I think she's Alice Robertson or something like that. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Good luck to the New Zealand ski team, by Good the way. Good on you, go, New Zealand. Um, Great Britain actually won a World Cup skiing event last weekend. Yeah. Great Britain, that ha- famous skiing nation. You're, uh, yeah, yeah, Eddie the Eagle. Well, he was a ski jumper, and yeah. he never won anything. This guy's beaten the best in the world. Yeah, he's proper. Anyway. How's Australia looking? If you watch Australian TV, they're going to have the greatest games ever. Yeah. If you just watch the adverts. Sure. It's going to be one hell of an Olympic party. Yeah. Yeah. God, I'm sick of the ads already. Oh. Anyway. Let's get back to the Jamaican. Why are they not allowed to enjoy their own country's success, Beef? Why why are they not allowed to enjoy it? They are allowed to enjoy it. But you don't preempt it. You don't talk them up. 
when they may not win anything. And the likelihood is they won't but, win anything but are they, Australia. are they talking up? Talking yes, up? they are. Watch the ad, drop. It's annoying. It's positive attitude. That's, that's why I watch the TV, when I do watch TV, with the sound off. So I don't have to listen to them. But that's why. Why do you even live here? What, what, yeah, oh, you thanks, must Rob. ask yourself. I got, the, I got you family, must ask yourself. I got family and stuff here. Yeah, but they weren't here originally. They were all in Wales, and so now you've all moved to Australia, so you can come and complain about Australians in Australia. Somebody, it's mental. You realize you're some, a mental person. Somebody sponsored me to come and play cricket and show the world my cricket. Yeah, skills. And, and instead of he should have gone. Oh, hang on, that's right. I don't like anything about Australia. <laughs> I probably go back to Wales. But instead, yeah. you stay here I'm just so here. you can complain all the time. Anyway, let's talk about Benjamin. What's wrong with your brain? Benjamin Alexander. Stubborn, bloody. Jamaica's first Olympic alpine ski racer. Alexander was a world-renowned DJ for over 10 years. Was he? Hailing from the UK. Good. The handsome, suave gent played the dicks at some of the world's finest clubs. Um, as the music curator for legendary Burning Man. Mm. He was known as Robot Heart. Benji was responsible for more than a few epic deep player, deep player sunrise dance marathons in the desert. Yet, the jet-setting superstar DJ became stale. He was looking for a new challenge. His first official race was in January 2020, and he lacked an important piece of equipment, a race suit. Probably the most important piece of equipment he was also missing, skis. The skis he had... Had a turning radius that was three metres wider than the rest of the field. He wore touring boots as opposed to the rigid race boots, but he did finish the race. Last, but he finished. He's six foot six, mocker-toned skin, got a posh London accent. Benji doesn't exactly embody the stereotypical image one has of an elite ski racer, but it's not just an ethnicity issue. His goal is to inspire a nation that he didn't grow up in, yet still holds citizenship through birthright via his father. This road to the Olympics goes far beyond any egoic sense of telling others he's been to the Olympics. It's more to do with showing the next generation of Jamaicans that skiing can happen for anyone, Rob. There so he's growing up in a different country, but is representing Jamaica. Yeah. So it's, it's only- not actually thriving in Jamaica as such. But isn't this the same thing we talked about the week with the guy? Oh no, this is this is sorry, this is wasn't you that said this? This is a conversation I had oh. with a completely different person about a completely different subject on your other radio else. show. No, it was? no, it was just uh, in his lounge actually oh, okay. over a cup of coffee. I've been very clear with everyone, mate. There's zero. Ch- <laughs> I'm turning Australian, uh, London, London, mate. I've been very clear with everyone. There is zero chance that I'll be anywhere near the medals. Zero chance. What I'm doing is hopefully treading new ground that will help a future Jamaican get there in upcoming Olympics. Won't be next year or the year after. It might be 20 or 30 years from now. If you look at the Jamaican bobsleigh team, they've been in every Olympics except for one since they started. And now our Jamaican bobsleigh team is in the top 30 in the world and is getting medals at World Cup events. That's only possible because of what happened in 1988. I hope in 2044 or something that someone says, man, that guy in Beijing 2022 is the only reason we have a Jamaican ski team with five athletes competing. So there you go. No, he's no, all over on, it. Let's get this. Cl- so he grew up in England. Was, yeah. was he born in England? Yeah, he's, he's British. He's basically. born in England. He's got a Jamaican and, dad. And he's, and he's decided after that he's going to represent Jamaica instead of representing Great Britain. Yeah. Uh, well, it's his choice. <laughs> it's his choice. Yep. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That, that, it is his choice. You're right, Rob. I mean, what if what if Ben Stokes decided to play cricket for New Zealand? That's, yeah. that's his choice. It is his choice. 
I couldn't do it myself, Rob. I, I couldn't, against the country you're born and raised in, go and play. I mean, it, it's different if your reasons, if you leave, like, so, so uh, Safa leaving South Africa to, and they come to yeah, New Zealand to for play opportunity. for opportunity yeah. and to, for, a, for a better life, I think, as mm. much as anything else. I think if I was, look, if that's, I that's was different to, like, fringes. growing up ha- ha- yeah. happily in your home country and then that that's a big call. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's difficult. Especially wants- with all the resources and coaching yeah. that have come from that country. But he wants to country. inspire Jamaican youth. Yeah, I hear that. Um, Why does he want to inspire British youth? Well, that's a good question, Rob. We might have to ask him ourselves hmm. at a later date. If we were on a desert island and there wasn't any grass... No grass? Would you eat me to survive? Oh, bro, who'd eat a cow? Premium New Zealand beef. Jack Leagues. Beef up your snack life. Hi there, this is John Higgins, and this is 365 Days of Sport. Yes, it is. John Higgins, <laughs> beef. John Higgins, yeah. yeah. Have you got some uh, parting sort of uh, pieces of uh, amusing journalistic insight there, beef, you can relate to us? Um, well, I've got two options for you. Oh, I'm going to tell you. Is this in a category that's going to be in the woke news, or is this no, the facts of news. life, even? Oh. What have happened to the facts of <laughs> no, life? No, we haven't done that for a while. Uh, North Korean beer. Tai Dong Gang is a brand of North Korean beer brewed by the state-owned Tai Dong Gang Brewing Company based in Pyongyang. Four brands of beer marketing marketed as Tai Dong Gang, though the brand simply as Tai Dong Gang Beer is that described below 5% alcohol. See, that th- see that's a big risk if you're... Because that's when you're most likely to let the cat out of the bag because you just get... If you get, get mullocked and just have, like, 19 of them hmm. and you walk out and you just go, ah, screw Kim Jong-il, he's rubbish. <laughs> and, 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 and you tell the truth all of a sudden. And it's a They'll big risk. Shoot you. And because you'll be malnourished because you haven't eaten anything. So yeah. it goes three beers straight to your head, probably. And they're, and they're little, apparently. Very little. They've got the lower so um, average height. 5% beers. Just got to knock mm. them around. A big clear water up there, though. Pure, pure water for the North Korean mm. beer. I bet it's lovely. Yeah. Italian dentist presents fake arm for vaccination to get his pass. A dentist in Italy faces possible criminal charges of, after trying to receive a coronavirus vaccine in a fake arm made of silicon. A nurse in the northern city of Biella said she could tell right away that something was off when a man presented the phony limb for a shot on Thursday. When I uncovered the arm, I felt skin was cold and gummy, and the colour was too light. I initially thought the 57-year-old man was an amputee and had mistakenly offered the wrong arm. I lifted his shirt and saw a silicon arm. I understood immediately that the man was trying to avoid the vaccination by using a prosthetic, into which he hoped I would inject the drug. The nurse said the man acknowledged he did not want a vaccine, but to obtain a super health pass, which from Monday, which is required to enter restaurants, cinemas, theatres and other venues in Italy, he had already been suspended from work because of his refusal to get vaccinated, which Italy requires for medical personnel. The nurse said the man was courteous and left the vaccination centre after the failed attempt. We stopped and reflected and we understood that this wasn't just a surreal situation, but a real attempt at fraud. She and others at the vaccination site turned paperwork over to superiors so they could report the case, which has been given to prosecutors. Italy's vaccination rate is relatively high at 85%. People in the age range of 30 to 59 have proven, proven the most resistant of vaccinations, with nearly 3.5 million still not having received their first doses. So, fake That seems... Uh, I think the most interesting about that is that he's a dentist. Yes. Like, this is an educated man it's like, it's from, like that, from the, the, girl the, from the health the, profession. The girl from the AFLW that refuses to get vaccinated, even though she's an ICU nurse. 
Yeah. Mental. Anyway. Um, an Italian, what do you reckon Italian dentists are like? Those are a bit casual. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They're the type of Doesn't blokes. matter, don't worry about it. Yeah, uh, don't worry about yeah, the yeah. Uh, anesthetic. I just drill. <laughs> Hope for the best. Yeah, yeah. They would be very Very lax. cash. So it's quite an effort to get the... Uh, He's done well, the old yeah. fake arm. Yeah. He must have done a, uh, got a dummy. So I, I didn't catch... So, so did, did they actually try to inject the fake arm? She pulled his sleeve up to have a look at the arm and then realised it wasn't real. Wasn't real. That's like she said, she, she thought he was. A, she thought he was an amputee. Right, gave her the wrong arm. <laughs> that reminds me of an episode of the show Entourage where um, he had to undergo drug tests because he got in, st- in trouble oh. for drugs. The main character Vince. Did they test his and, urine? Um, he was pregnant. No, he oh. used a fake dong. Just a fake with, dong. Because he'd, he'd smoked some weed, oh. and so he couldn't use his own urine. You know, so he had to have. A, so but they got... have to watch you do it. You know. You know my mum. Have mom... you heard the process when they do the? They you have to drop your pants right down yeah. to the ground and stand my, with your my hands mom... up. Did um, did it at the Olympics? Right. Watched watched the women wee in the cup. Oh, that's a weird. I'm pretty experience. sure she did. We might have been the Commonwealth Games or something. I'm sure she did drug testing somewhere. The things you have to do to be an athlete. Mm. Why? That's that's an awful experience. Although to be honest, I wouldn't I wouldn't care too much. No. But maybe the problem is when you can't. But for go. women, would that be a bit weird? Uh probably. Yeah. It wasn't weird for that woman in that punk rock band you sent that uh, time. Oh yeah, brass brass the gains. They that's called. one of the. Strangest things I've ever seen. That was very strange. It was a real on-stage stunt. That one. In case anyone hadn't seen it, the, the lead singer, uh, a woman, invited someone on the stage and declared she was going to, to urinate in his face and did exactly that. Did She did exactly Without that. Without hesitation. And more. Uh, well, not yeah. and more. She just did lots. Yeah, it was uh She's was clearly been drinking statement. a lot of water on stage. Yep. Um, quite an active don't, band as well. Don't, don't, don't watch yeah, the don't video. Yeah, don't watch it. It's, um, it's, 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 it's an example of society going backward. That particular, <laughs> that particular video. Talking about society going backwards, hmm. here's Rob's final thoughts. Ladies and gentlemen, this time I'm inspired by what's right in front of me, which is a man with many T-shirts. And on this particular T-shirt, he's got Holmbush f- Fish Bar. Is that how you spell Homebush? It was, it is, it's got it an is, L in it. It is in this case. Is it not actually just Home, H-O-M-E? Well, no, it's Holm. Where's Holmbush? Homebush. It's in um, St. Austell in Cornwall. Oh, it's not the one out West Sydney with No, it. not Homebush. Right. That's Homebush, yeah. And and be if he's wearing Homebush a fish bar, uh, award winning fish and chips T shirt he's chosen to wear today. Fantastic. And what it shows people is that you can deliver a message <laughs> out to people on any many different forms. And it also says the Codfather with a C Codfather on the yeah. back of this particular T shirt. Now you might see a man walking down the street and go, Gosh, Things aren't working out <laughs> at all very well. Uh, if someone's having to resort to those sort of fashionista type of products, but in fact it's a charade because underneath that T-shirt is well, someone not probably in very good shape. Let's be honest. But the deeper you dig, the, the better it gets, and you get right down to the heart and the character and soul of that particular person, and. You'll find someone who's extremely resilient, extremely strong. And this is really just a good old-fashioned, don't judge a book by its cover, you know? Because and, 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 you, you get those little fake cover protector things on books, don't you? Yeah. That's just flimsy stuff. It might be a good, firm, hardwood cover underneath, that flimsy uh, book cover thing, Pete. You know, as a prank in school... What? We used to change. Hey, I was just getting on a roll. We would, we used to change the book covers right onto different books to really annoy people. Or it's not unlike Back to the Future, oh, where Gray's Sports Almanac 
Marty McFly thinks he's recovered the almanac, and then inside it is a magazine called Ooh La La. Ooh La La. And uh, Biff Tannen, the bad guy, Biff, yeah. has swapped out the almanac for the for the oh, Ula See, Biff's always thinking, always so thinking. He, he wasn't actually much of a thinker, Biff. He was a bit of an impulsive moron, actually. Oh, okay, sorry. Sorry, um, Biff, if you're listening. But that's not what you have to be in life. No. It's good to be changing covers so that you don't have one cover. You need many covers to discard so oh, I'm really losing it tonight, Biff. Yep. It's not. There's. I've got. You interrupted me too much. I, I try to get something going. I was but trying. It's, well, it's, I it's try, going I nowhere. Go. I, I, I can't get one single decent thought going. I let you go as on. far as I could, and it wasn't going anywhere. That's why I had to interrupt. <laughs> it was going somewhere. You cr- come at the crucial moment. Now it's just a big mess. I don't know what Rob's thoughts are tonight. Yeah. Don't sit. In a, I don't know. Don't wear a fish t-shirt. How's that? It's a bloody good fish t-shirt. This. It, it actually is quite a good shirt. Yeah. We've got to thank Peter Hatzoglu. Yeah. For jumping on International the International sports star. International sports star. Potential Greek international cricketer. Yeah. If he wants to go that way. It's all about Good luck on Friday for the Perth Scorchers in the Big Bash. Yeah, I'm supporting Final. them now. Good guy. Fantastic. Like you said, he's in a bubble. Yeah. He can't do much else. No. Play, he was happy for the company. Yeah. Interactive company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic that he's working outside of cricket. That's brilliant. I didn't catch what he's doing. He's a risk management type dude. Risk management? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Pretty uh, advanced there. We also got to thank Jack Lynx, the best beef jerky on the planet. Yeah. Yeah, I hear that. It is. Yeah. 100% grass fed New Zealand beef, Rob. We can't thank them enough. Can't thank them enough. Their authenticity. Just got to make sure they're on board for 2022. Of course. Jack Links. If you haven't got your Jack Links beef jerky, get out there and get some, people. This weekend especially. It's Australia Day tomorrow. What's more Australian than eating New Zealand beef? Probably just eating some Australian lamb. But uh, that's not the point, is it? No. We encourage you to change your ways and be an a- more of an Anzac. If you're drinking VB, 4X, 2Es, whatever tomorrow on Australia Day, mm. make sure you've got it with Beef jerky yeah. of the Jack Links type. Exactly. It's the food of astronauts, people! It's the food of astronauts. i got nothing else. you got nothing else? Well, you're a big help tonight, aren't you? Oh, um, it, it's, 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 it's midnight. It's it wrap-up time. It is wrap-up time. Yeah. It's um, been a pretty good show, I think. It's not bad. Yeah. Not bad. I've had to carry it. Oh, come on, Beef. Every week. Come on, Every mate. you got the... You, I think you're just annoyed that I won the... The quiz, aren't <laughs> no, you? you did well tonight. Fair, Three, four, fair five. credit to you. You did well. What show has it been? Episode 233 yeah. of the greatest non-sports sports radio show on the planet. 365 days of sports. See you next week.